Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. family, and uh, if you guys got your Bibles, head over to First. There's a few people. I, I, you're my favorite section. Okay, that's great. Uh, head over to First Corinthians chapter 12. That's going to be this uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, while you're turning there, guys, we would be absolutely insane. It would be dishonorable um, for us not to celebrate some of that happened in our church last week. Um, last week on Baptism Weekend, a little blown away, um, in one weekend across all of our campuses, we baptized 384 brand new. That's right. Come on, man. They're sitting all around you, and I, we are proud of you. Man, it's, um, man, just taking that step to plug in. You're following your Lord Jesus Christ. Now it's time to plug into the bride of Jesus Christ, um, the church, so that you, he wants you to develop into the image of his son. And so, man, like, we want to help you do that, and uh, really proud of you, and let, let's keep trucking together, okay? Well, hey, here's where we are this week. We are in the last week of a series that we have just been calling, There Is More, um, on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you guys don't mind, um, can I ask you, have you been enjoying the series? Have you? It's just, okay, all right, good, that's great. Okay, 70-30, you know, a lot of obvious intentional silences, that's okay. Uh, we'll get there, and uh, here's where we are today. Um, we are today concluding the series. This is the last week in the series. I'm talking about what have historic, and I saved it for last for a reason, uh, what have historically been called the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. Okay, now, before you freak out, let me, let me kind of set the stage and explain something. I always want to give credit where it's due. And so at the very beginning of the series, I strongly encouraged you towards three resources, three books, okay? One was a book by a Presbyterian named Martin Lloyd-Jones called Joy Unspeakable. Two was by a local pastor named Robert Morris called The God I Never Knew. And the third one was a book called Jesus Continued by a Baptist pastor named J.D. Greer. Strongly encourage all those. Here's why I say that. I'm going to have to like rapid fire move through a lot of Bible today and get to the Spirit. There are going to be things that some of you are going to be like, hey, why didn't you say that? Or why didn't you answer that question? If you'll go, I, I can't do it all in one sermon. If you'll grab one of those resources, they'll help you. And so let me, again, let me just say it and then kind of get to it. Today, concluding the series, talking about and answering a lot of questions about um, the, what have been, typically been called the charismatic gifts of the Spirit. Now, when I say the word charismatic, I am not, listen to my voice, I am not talking about a denomination or a group of churches. I'm talking about a Greek word, the Greek word charisma or charismatic. Here's the Greek word. Let me give you a definition for you note takers. 
The Greek word charisma, it is the enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer to exercise a gift for these two reasons, to lift up Jesus and to build up people. Those two things. Now, I want you to see where this word comes from, okay? The word charisma or charismatic comes from two Greek words. The Greek word charis, which means grace. A lot of people name their kids charis, meaning grace. My oldest daughter, Eliana's middle name is charis for grace. And then uh, if you add the, the ma on the end of it, the ma suffix, it means gift. Now, here's what this means. The word charisma or charismatic, here's what it literally means. It means grace gift. Grace gift. Now, I have some very, very bad news for a lot of you. Very bad news. Here's my very bad news for a lot of you. According to that biblical definition, every believer is a charismatic Christian. Okay? All of you. I know, it's just terrible news. Okay? Terrible, terrible news. Now, uh, let me explain. Let's see, there's one person back there like that. Okay, now, <laughs> yeah, I will say, let me kind of get, in, uh, get into this real quick. The reason I say that is because all of you are grace gifted. Every Christian, when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, as soon as you become a believer, when you are, you are grace gifted by the Holy Spirit with spiritual gifts to lift up Jesus and build up people. Now, I will say this. You got to watch out. Anytime somebody starts talking about spiritual gifts, you got to watch out. Um, true story, I got a pastor friend who right after he and his now wife got engaged, they took like a spiritual gifts test and his then fiance, her number one spiritual gift came back celibacy. So you really got to watch out for this stuff. Got to watch out for this stuff. And uh, <laughs> that's a true story. Got to watch out. Okay, now here, let me just dive right in because we got a lot to get to today. Okay, there is a difference. Let me say it. There is a difference between being charismatic in the biblical Greek sense of the word and being a charismaniac like a lot of you have seen. I want to talk about that today. So if you've got your Bibles, pick up with me in 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to show you some things in 1 Corinthians 12.1. It says this. Okay, check this out. Now concerning, and it uses a different word. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now earlier, I talked about the word charisma that gets translated gifts. This word that gets translated spiritual gifts, it's the Greek word, watch this, the Greek word pneumatikos. You've heard me say earlier in the series that the Greek word pneuma is the word that gets translated spirit. You've also heard me say that that word can have three meanings. It can mean spirit, breath, or wind. So here's what pneumaticos means. It means empowered by breath or wind. Some of you guys who like to swing a hammer, you've got a drill in your garage that is a pneumatic drill. And what that literally means is that it's powered by air. Okay, now what Paul's doing is he's going, hey, He's going, hey, there's really, there's kind of two types of, of spiritual gifts. He's going, hey, there's some that are a little more natural. Leadership, administration, helps, encouragement, natural. And he's going, these gifts that I'm getting ready to talk about, Paul says, these are like a little more supernatural, pneumaticos, powered by the spirit, breath, or wind. So here's what he's saying. These are gifts that you can only walk in if you allow the spirit to breathe into your life. That's what he's saying, okay? Now, let, let, let's get right into it. Now, watch this. Some of you hear that and you're like, oh, supernatural gifts. This is all weird. I don't know why we got to talk about this. Can't we just ignore this stuff? Well, the problem with ignoring that stuff or trying to ignore it, here's a big problem with that. The Bible. <laughs> big, big problem, the Bible. And, and watch this. Here's why. Watch what Paul says. He says, now about these spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now, can I just say something to you as your pastor? I... Do not want you to be uninformed about these things. 
I don't want that, okay? And so what we're going to do is we're just going to lean right into it, okay? So uh, let me read these. uh, uh, Here's how this whole sermon is going to go. I'm going to read this passage that lists these gifts. I'm going to talk about these more spiritual and supernatural gifts, run right through them. Like I said earlier, three resources I mentioned earlier, I'd encourage you to check out. Almost everything I say today comes from one of those three resources. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Watch this. It says, now, I'm going to have you say some words out loud. Now to each. Great job. Now answer this word for me. Answer this question for me. Are you an each? Great job. You're an each. Now remember this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. We'll get there in a second. Just, you know, buckle up. And to still another, interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He, let me point this out. He distributes them to who? To each. Let me ask you again, are you in each? Good job. Okay. To each one, just as he determines. All right. Now, let me say a couple things about this passage. So first of all, let me just say this. You don't have one of these gifts. You don't have one of these gifts. The Holy Spirit has all of these gifts. And he distributes to each one how he wants, when he wants, in the manner that he wants. Okay, so every now and then, now this is my interpretation of this passage. Every now and then I'll hear somebody walk around and they'll say something like, well, I've got the gift of healing. I've got the gift of prophecy. I've got the gift of, you know, a message of knowledge. And honestly, I want to point at this passage and go, no, you don't. You don't have that gift. The Holy Spirit has that gift. And he determines when and how to give it to you to manifest his presence in unique moments whenever he sees fit. That's, I think that's really important to understand, okay? Now, here's, here's the next thing you need to understand about this. This passage, it lists nine of these spiritual gifts. Theologians, Bible scholars, you know, here, all of us, what we like to do is we like to categorize things. Theologians typically categorize these nine gifts into three categories of gifts. Three categories is very helpful because every good sermon has three points. That's very helpful for me, okay? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk through these categories. The three categories are... You have uh, the discerning gifts, the declarative gifts, and the dynamic gifts. I'm going to walk through these three categories, explain them all, and you need to be going. Here's what you're going to notice. Some of you have seen some of these gifts operate. You didn't even know. You didn't have language for what just happened. This is going to help you. Okay, I don't want you to be uninformed. That's the whole goal. Okay, so here we go. First category of gift. What we've got here is the discerning gifts. This is message of wisdom, message of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Here we go. Here's what a me- let's start with message of knowledge. First one. A message of knowledge is to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. Now, you, if you watch the ministry of Jesus, you'll see this gift in operation in the ministry of Jesus. There'll be moments where it's like he was given, divi- and you'll, I'm going to explain why I'm saying what I'm saying in a second. He was given divine uh, awareness of what was going on in that moment. You remember this. Remember Jesus walks up on a mountain um, to get water from a well. Walks up to the well. There's nobody there except one Samaritan woman. He tells the woman, hey, go call your husband. She says, actually, I don't have a husband. And Jesus goes, you're right, you don't have a husband. You actually, you've had five husbands and the man you're living with right now is not your husband. Now, that, yeah, I know, it's a little intense. Yeah, okay. Now, that 
is a, an example of a message of knowledge. It is something, uh, something insight into uh, this, uh, let me, where am I right here? There it is, it's right there. Uh, right in, in, here we go, insight into this uh, situation. Now, some of you say that, oh wait, Josh, actually Jesus knew that because he was God, he was divine. Yep, but guys, remember, the Bible says that when Jesus, that Jesus laid down his divinity. When Jesus did all of his ministry, he did all of his ministry in the power of the Spirit. All of Jesus' ministry, recorded ministry, happened after the Holy Spirit descended and remained on Jesus. And Jesus himself even said that he cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus had these things happen, watch this, not because he was God, but because he was powered by the Spirit. And when Jesus did that, that was an example of a message of knowledge. Okay, now, some of you have seen this happen, and it's, it's, it's freaky when it happens. Um, I have actually had this happen to me one time in my life, uh, years ago. So when I'm, you guys know, when I'm preaching, I'm not just doing Bible teaching. Like, it's that but I'm always like, Holy Spirit, would you please like empower these words? Last thing I do before I preach a message, I take like a really long walk, one or two hours, and I just pray through the sermon. I'm like, Holy Spirit, anoint this. Man, here I'm praying specific things for this. All right, now I want you to do this here. What do you want me to say? Is there anything you want me to remove? Some of you are like, I wish he didn't tell you to remove more. You know, it's like, but you know, all, so this, that's the last thing I do, okay? About 10 years ago, um, there was a time where I was doing that and I got a very distinct kind of word or impression from the Spirit. Josh, I want you to preach at the end of this sermon to someone, and there were three things. This is going to come in late, this is going to be high when he comes in, and that needs to know that I'll set him free from his sin. Now, when I heard that, I was like, ah, because at the time I was pastoring a church of like 250 people and it was like wall to wall way FM soccer moms, okay? So if I knew like, dude, if I mention like being high or a joint, like these are, the, they're gonna look at their elbow. They're like, they're gonna have no idea what I'm talking about, okay? So, but yeah, I was like, man, I feel like the Holy Spirit like gave me this serious impression. And so I did it. At the end of the message, like I just, I just kind of laid it all out there. I was like, man, there is somebody that walked in the room today and you came in late and you were high today and you need to know that Christ died for your sins, that he has an outstretched arm, that he can set you free from what has enslaved you. you know, and so I preach it with boldness. I finish and I look out <laughs> and absolutely nothing happened. Nothing and I was like, are you kidding me? You know, I take this big risk and nothing happens, that kind of thing. And so I just filed it away and kind of forgot about it. Okay, fast forward five years. It's right after Jan and I have uh, accepted the call to come to Lake Point Church. I'm getting my last car wash before I leave Nashville to drive to Dallas. As I'm driving through the little car wash line, I get up to the window to pay, roll the window down, and this young man, he just says, hey, are you the senior pastor of the Bridge Church? And when somebody asks me something like that, I always say, well, it depends why you're asking. You know, and so I, and he said, he said, it's good. And I said, absolutely I am, you know, and, and, uh, and, and he went on to say, this is what he said. He said, Hey, you don't know this and we've never met before. And it, he said, five years ago, I walked into your church and I came in late that day. And when I walked in, I came in and I was high to your church 
And that day you told me that God loved me and wanted to save me. I gave my life to Christ and I've been free from my addiction ever since. Okay, now listen, that's right. That, that, it, that's a message of knowledge. Now, can I, let me just, I'm gonna do this a couple times during the message. Would it be okay with you if every now and then the Holy Spirit gave you supernatural insight into something? Would that be okay with you? Okay, guys, where's what I'm driving at? The Holy Spirit is good and he wants to give good gifts to you. Now, here's the other one. It's a message of wisdom and that's a divine answer or solution for a particular event, okay? Now, we have some examples of this. I'll give you one example. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he tells the apostles, he goes, hey, when I leave, you're gonna be dragged before kings and into courts. He said, hey, when that happens, don't worry about what to say and watch what he said because in that moment, the Holy Spirit will tell you exactly what to say. And if you read the rest of the New Testament, that's exactly what happens. When these guys are dragged before kings and into courts, they are given unique wisdom, how to answer questions in the words of Bible language uh, so that they confound the wisdom of the wise. Like supernaturally wise responses to really difficult antagonistic questions. That is this, it's a message of wisdom. Now again, can I, can I just ask you something, okay? A lot of you guys have really complex problems in your life. Would it be okay with you if every now and then the Holy Spirit gave you supernatural solutions for your complex problems? Yes. Would that be okay? I'm assuming yes. See, he's good. You see, he's good. Okay, here's the third one. It's discerning of spirits. I'm gonna make a few of you mad in the next 30 seconds. Discerning of spirits. And this is the ability to distinguish between the activity of the Holy Spirit and unholy spirits that the Bible calls demons. Now, really quick, just track with me, okay? The Bible says that whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. So God has the Holy Spirit. Satan counterfeits with unholy spirits the Bible calls demons. Now, some of you right now, you're like, whoa! You guys believe in demons? Yeah, and they're bad, okay? So every now and then, somebody asks me something like, hey, Josh, um, what is Lake Point's stance on demons? We're against them. You know, it's like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, that's it. I don't, what, what do you want me to say? Okay. Now, there's an, so here's what this gift is. <laughs> the discerning of spirits is the ability to distinguish between Holy, activity of the Holy Spirit and unholy spirits. Here's an example of this. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and some of his missionary friends are walking around and they're preaching. There's this woman that starts following him around and she's screaming at the top of her lungs. These men are servants of the most high God. Paul is given this gift in the moment and he discerns this woman is acting by unholy spirits, not the Holy Spirit. Come to find out she is a, a demon-possessed witch, a fortune teller. And, you may, and so he rebukes those evil spirits, casts them out. Now, you may hear that and go, yeah, but Josh, like they were saying the right thing. They really were servants of the Most High God. Yes, but Paul didn't want a demon-possessed witch confirming his ministry. And so he had the ability to distinguish that's not the Holy Spirit, that's unholy spirits, okay? Now, uh, uh, let me, let me <laughs> that's what this gift is. Let me say what this gift is not. I'm gonna step on a few toes here. Did you notice the passage, it's, the gift is not called discernment. That's not what the gift is called. It's the discerning or discernment of spirits. It's not the spiritual gift of discernment. Actually, there is no spiritual gift of discernment in the Bible. You go to your homework this week. That's not a spiritual gift. Now, listen, I'm going to make a statement. And when I make this statement, some of you aren't going to like it. I grew up in Kentucky. We had a, there's an old saying in Kentucky, throw a rock into a pack of dogs and the one that yelps is the one you hit. Okay. Now, some of you are working that out for a second. Like, okay, how's that work? Okay. Now, so I'm going to throw the rock. 
Some of you are going to yelp. If you yelp, you need to ask the question why you yelp. Let me make a statement. Here's my statement. Most of you are clapping. I could hit you. You know, we'll see. Okay. Here's the statement. Most people I've met who claim to have the gift of discernment actually have the gift of criticism. Okay. Now you may go, oh, yeah, Josh, but I took a spiritual gifts test and it came back discernment. No, no. You took a Myers-Briggs test and it came back J-E-R-K. That's what happened to you, okay? Now, here, here's why I say this. There, there, is no spirit, there is no spiritual gift of discernment in the Bible. Here's the reason I say this. There are some people who are very judgmental and critical of other people, and they think that their opinion is God's opinion. And they walk around and they try to validate their opinion being God's opinion by going, yeah, but I've got this gift that's from the Bible. And I'm telling you, that gift's not in the Bible. But the gift that is in the Bible is the gift of the discerning of spirits. And I just discerned that some of you have a critical spirit. There we go. I win. All right. So here we go. So let me just say this. All right. Again, let me be real practical. Would it be okay with you? Sometimes you're in a, you got this problem in your life and you're like, man, it's really hard for me to figure out, is this an organizational problem or a relational problem or an emotional problem or a physical problem or a spiritual problem? You know, like, I don't know which one. Would it be okay with you if every now and then the Holy Spirit showed you this is a spiritual problem at its root. There are unholy spirits uh, co coming against your marriage or your children or your business. He showed you that and you knew to go against it in prayer. Would that be okay with you? See, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to give you these gifts. Now, second category of gifts is the declarative gifts. This is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Let me do the controversial ones first, just because I'm wired that way to like to do that. Here we go. Gift number one, tongues. This is a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. Okay? Now, every time you see the word tongues or speaking in tongues in your Bible, it's the Greek word glossa or glossolalia. Now, class, let's do a pop quiz. And this is review because I did it four weeks ago. Is there a word in the English language that sounds like glossa? Glossary. Great job. 100%. You win. Now, Here's what this word means. Glossa or glossolalia, it, it means languages. That's literally what that word means. It means languages. Now, there are at least two forms of tongues, speaking in tongues, like this says, the gift of tongues that we know of from the Bible. Number one is speaking to men in languages you've never learned before. You see this happen in Acts chapter two. Remember what happens. Uh, people are gathered from every tribe, tongue, nation, language. The apostles get up. Now don't answer this one out loud because it, it, it tricks some people in earlier services. Silently answer this question. Class, were the apostles highly educated men? Okay, actually you got it, no. No, it was blue collar dudes that liked to fish and swing hammers. These were not guys that had like more degrees than Fahrenheit and were like multilingual because they went to Cambridge. So these dudes stand up, they start preaching Jesus to this crowd. And the Bible says that everyone heard them speaking in their own language. That's this gift. They were preaching in languages they've never learned before so the gospel could go to people it had never gone to before. See, God will do that because he loves people and God, it, it, God's on a mission to redeem people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language around the throne. See, he's, so he's gonna do that. Now, here's the second one and here's where people get kind of caught up is the first form of speaking to men, but there is, and again, some of you may struggle with this. Guys, I don't know what, it's in the Bible. And the, the second form of this is speaking to God in a language you've never learned before. Now, again, I'm just quoting a verse, 1 Corinthians 14. Paul says, uh, talking about uh, this gift of tongues, 
He says, I pray with my spirit, but my mind is unfruitful. I pray with my spirit, but my mind is unfruitful. This is Paul given the ability to speak in, with his gift of tongues to pray to God. Now, some of you may hear that and you may go, Matt, let me just say this. Even if you struggle with whether that gift is a thing or not, you shouldn't forbid it. And I don't do that. I don't forbid that gift. I have never had that gift. I've never been given that gift. But I'll never forbid somebody from exercising that gift. Do you know why you shouldn't forbid people from exercising that gift? Because there's like literally a verse in the Bible that says, do not forbid speaking in tongues. That like, so like, don't do that thing, you know? Like, we literally got a verse for that, okay? Now, here's the other question I get a lot is, well, Pastor Josh, if that's a gift, then why don't we see that gift exercised in our services at Lake Point? That's a great question. That leads me to our very next gift. The next gift on the list is the interpretation of tongues. And that is uh, understanding and expressing the thought or intent of the message in tongues. Now let's go to, go to this question. If that's a gift, why don't we see that gift happen in uh, worship services at Lake Point? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, there was this church where this was happening. People had this gift and they started like treating their worship services like American Idol tryouts. And they're like, this is like all of us, this is our chance to like spotlight my gift and your gift and my gift, we're all gonna do our thing. And so they were coming into services and they were exercising this gift. And it was like, here's what it was doing. It was just freaking people out, man. It was like all the lost people that were like attracted to the grace of God, they came in and they saw people doing this gift and they were like, that's weird, man. Y'all like out of your minds. And so Paul literally says, stop doing stuff in your services that makes unbelievers feel uncomfortable. Don't do that. Your personal ability to use your gift should come second to the mission of God. And then Paul gives this very specific command in 1 Corinthians 14. Check it out. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak. One at a time, and you you say this word out loud with me here, uh, and someone must interpret. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say here's a suggestion. It says must. They must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should, what should they do? They should keep quiet, thank you, in the church and speak to himself and God. And again, the reason is because your desire to exercise your spiritual gift should come behind the mission of God because the whole purpose of gifts is to lift up Jesus and build up people. So you don't, you don't use your gift just because like, well, it makes me feel good. Well, your gift is not about making you feel good. It's about lifting up Jesus and building up people, okay? Now, I'll, I'll just give a very, this may be uncomfortable, but let me give an example, okay? Uh, when I was a pastor in Nashville, we had a lady in our church when our church was very small, just a few hundred people, that she had this gift and she would exercise it. She began very loudly in services. During worship, she'd just start kind of blurting out really loud, kind of praying in tongues or, you know, we'd start praying and she'd do this really, really loud. And it was doing exactly what Paul warned against in 1 Corinthians 14, made people really uncomfortable, turned people off to, uh, uh, to receptivity to the gospel. And so I had to pull this lady out This is literally the exact same Bible I used. And I opened up to this page in this Bible, read that verse, and I said, ma'am, I am so sorry. You cannot do that in our services. Because, man, I believe, you know, and all this, but but we're Bible believers here. And this is what I said, you can't do that. Now, some of you hear that, and in every service, I've been able to feel this little tension in the room. (laughs) It's like, ah, that feels weird. And here's what you're feeling. You're going, well, you're going, well, who are you 
Who are you to tell somebody how they can and can't express themselves to God? Let me answer that question. I'm the senior pastor of the church, and that's like literally my job. It's like, it's literally my job is to make sure that we obey the Bible in how we do what we do in church, okay? So there you go. That's what it is. Now let me move on to the next one. Last one is prophecy, declarative gifts, prophecy. This is a message of encouragement from God through a person. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Everyone who prophesies speaks to men, watch these three, for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Watch this. It never says correction. For their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. The spiritual New Testament gift of prophecy is for encouragement. Here's why I say this. There are some people who spiritually and emotionally manipulate other people by correcting them and then tagging on to the end of their correction, thus saith the Lord. And I want to warn you very sternly against saying, thus saith the Lord, when the Lord did not say. We've actually got one of the Ten Commandments that addresses this. Do you know what the commandment means? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Yes, it means don't use God's name as a cuss word. You know what it also means? Don't tack God's name onto your opinion. That's taking his name in vain. So we must not do this. You can't do this. Let me read this again. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, another verse. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be, watch this, encouraged. Doesn't say corrected. Now here's why I say this, okay? This is really important, all right? Because not everything that you deeply feel like you need to say is from God. Not everything that you feel like you need to say is from God. Let me give you an example of this, okay? Uh, The first year Jan and I moved here uh, from from Nashville, we moved in and my kids were in Lake Point Sports Soccer. And one morning it was like, you know, my job as a dad to go get all the snacks and stuff. And so I run into Kroger and I'm running in and I grab this. But the, the parking lot's real full. Well, I see a guy that's walking to his car and he's almost there. And so I did what every red-blooded male in America does. I kind of followed an appropriate distance to, you know, let him get to his car. He got in and I was just going to wait for him to get out of his car. And so I'm, you know, I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and then it, I started getting kind of frustrated. Like, what is this guy doing? And so I did like the, the slightly passive aggressive thing where you turn on your blinker, you know? It's like, it's a gentle way to say, let's go, you know? And so I turn on my blinker and I'm waiting. Well, I just keep waiting and waiting and waiting until eventually it dawns on me. I, I realize, this is what this guy's doing. He saw me follow him to his space. It bothered him. He felt rushed. And now he's literally just sitting in there to make a point. And so I'm thinking about this, I'm just waiting and waiting, I'm thinking about this, and my anger just starts rising, and I'm getting frustrated, and I'm not a jerk, but you know, I I can be assertive in in, in moments, and so, and so, you know, all of a sudden, we get to this spot where I finally, I'm just like, I, I, this, I know this guy, there's something, I, I need to say something to this guy. I know what he's doing. So I put my car in park and I walk up to the car. I, I get to the guy's window. As soon as I get to the guy's window, the window rolls down. He goes, Pastor Josh, you know? And I just go, man, I just came to say, God bless you. Jesus loves you. You know, he is for you. And that kind of thing, you know? Listen, <laughs> uh, let me just say, that didn't really happen, but it's a great story. That's a great story. <laughs> It's a good story. Now, my point is, not everything you feel like you need to say needs to be said. 
okay? So let me just say something to you, some of you really, really need to hear. When you deeply feel like I need to say something, there are three possible sources for that feeling. Hey, it actually could be the Holy Spirit. That's what we're reading about. It also could be unholy spirits, okay? A Christian can't be possessed by a demon, but we can be oppressed by them. And they will put thoughts into your mind that are not from God. But watch this. There's a third category of things that might be giving you an urge, okay? And, and here's what they are. You, what it could be, could be last night's burrito, okay? That'll give you some urges, <laughs> you know? So here's what you got to do. You got to have discernment. I'll give you three principles for when you feel like something is a, a word from God to give to somebody. Number one, make sure, for you note takers, write this down. Number one, make sure it agrees with God's word. The Spirit of God will never, ever disagree with the Word of God. And if you receive a word that disagrees with the Word of, of, of God, I promise you that's not from the Spirit of God. That's from un, unholy spirits. Okay? So that's number one. Number two is make sure that it encourages and builds up. That's what this gift is for. Now watch this. Number three is you need to deliver that word. If you feel like you need to say something to somebody and it's from God, deliver it in humility. Because you can never know with 100% certainty that it's from God. So don't say, God told me to say to you. Stop doing that, you weirdos. Okay? Don't do that. Here's what you want to say. Say something like this. Say, say something like, man, I've got a sense that I need to say something to you. And it may or may not be from God. So if you have a confirmation in your spirit also, then receive this from the Lord. Deliver it in humility because you never know 100% certainty that it's from God, okay? Now, let me get, that's what not to do. Let me give an example, a positive example of prophecy and let's move on, okay? Now, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Three things, strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Um, a few times in my life, somebody has given me like a word from the Lord and it was very obvious, like real obvious. You guys who have been around Lake Point for a few years, you'll remember my first year here, I had an eight-month season of having anxiety attacks while I was preaching and before I was preaching. Uh, hardest season of my life. During that time, I flew to Madison, Indiana to spend time with a counselor that helps pastors. And now, before I tell you this story, you need to know, this was not some charismaniac with tambourines and shofars and flags. Okay, this, here's this, this guy was like, this is a senior saint Bible worm, guy with more degrees than Fahrenheit. I, this dude, I guarantee this dude has never raised his hands in worship his entire life, okay? And during this time, he said, hey, Josh, sometimes it's helpful for Christians to picture spiritual realities. He said, the Bible says that God's presence surrounds you. And he said, he used this word. He said, what if you pictured God's presence enveloping you while you preach and that anything dark that tries to sort of come towards you or come at you while you're preaching, it can't, and then he used this word, penetrate that presence that envelops you. And he said, does that make sense? And externally, I was like, yeah, that's really profound. And internally, I was like, that seems kind of weird. You know, it's not my thing. Okay, well, okay, fast forward of, uh, about two years. Uh, last year, we were having the More Than Us initiative, and I did like 21 meetings over the course of three weeks, and I was just out. I was just, it was a really busy season, and my anxiety started flaring up again for a day and a half. During that day and a half, after one of those More Than Us meetings, there's a woman from our church who was a doctor. Listen, doctor. So this is an intelligent, educated, sound mind person. She grabbed me after one of those meetings. She was very emotional. She said, Pastor Josh, um, I've got something that I think I need to tell you, but I'm embarrassed to say it because it makes me feel weird. 
And she said, man, I, I had this image of you and it was while you were preaching. And then she used this word. And it was as if God's presence enveloped you, surrounded you. And she said, I saw it was like dark, you know, things trying to get at you while you were preaching, but they couldn't, and she used this word, they couldn't penetrate the presence of God that enveloped you. And then she said, does that mean anything to you? <laughs> okay. And I just went, no, it doesn't mean anything. I don't know what that means at all. I got nothing, man. I don't know what that means at all. No, no, it was very profound for me. Now, let me ask you this question. Look at this. Do you think that I was strengthened, encouraged, and comforted? You're right. And the Holy Spirit will sometimes do that, okay? That's what this gift of prophecy is. Now, let me move on and land a plane here. The dynamic gifts, final three. The gift of faith is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Now, I'm not talking about regular faith. Every Christian should have faith, high confidence in the promises of God. This is when God will sometimes like give you unique assurance, unique confidence, confidence about something very specific. Okay, let me just ask you again. Some of you, you're like going through a hard time, okay? Would it be okay with you if when you're going through a hard time, the Holy Spirit gave you certainty that you were going to make it through okay? Would that be okay with you? Yes. See, what I'm getting at, guys, the Holy Spirit's good. He's a comforter. I want you to see this. Now, the last two, miracles and healings. Miracles are the divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. Now, every time I talk about miracles, there are some people who go, whoa, whoa, whoa Josh, that, that stuff doesn't happen anymore. That's, that's not a thing anymore. That is so frustrating to me. <laughs> okay, so can I do something? Will you be my illustration? At all of our campuses, if at any time in your life, do, I'm not asking you to exaggerate. I want you to be totally honest. If at any time in your life you have seen or experienced God do a miracle, would you raise your hand, please? Okay, would you, would you, would everybody please look around? Everybody please look around. How in the world did we start believing that God stopped doing miracles? Guys, he can't stop doing miracles. It's who he is. He's a miracle worker. When God wakes up in the morning, if he wants coffee, he says, let there be coffee. Hey, he's, a, he's a miracle worker all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. And let me just say something. If you've been saved, you've had a miracle. You've had that, okay? So this is what this is. Now, last one is healings, gift of healing right here, supernatural endowments of divine health. Now, let me just say this. I am not a faith healer, but I am a Bible believer. And some of you really struggle when anybody talks about healing because you immediately get this picture of dude in a white suit with a jet knocking people over and taking money from elderly and poor people. And let me just say this. Check, check, check this out. I'm going to say something with a bit of an edge. Guys, listen to me. Because of that, you don't want anybody to talk about healing. But it's in the Bible. And listen to me. The abuse of a thing does not negate the use of a thing. Josh Haynes stabbed me with a pencil on the leg in eighth grade. I didn't swear off writing. <laughs> the abuse of a thing doesn't negate the use of a thing. And God wants to do this. Now, let me, let me land it right here, okay? This gift, when this happens in the Bible, it's actually usually not called healings or miracles. They're usually called signs. And a sign points to something else. God does this to point to the reality of the power of Jesus. Okay? 
Here, here let, me, let me land it here. Now, if you've been here four, five, four years, you've heard this story before, just track with me. I've, I've actually seen this. This has happened through me one time. Uh, years ago, it was actually about 10 years ago now. There was a woman that was the mother of somebody in our church, and she came into town, and she had almost total deafness in both ears, to the degree that they kept uh, writing notepads around the house so that they could write to her because she couldn't hear them even if they screamed in her ear. So they would write, and she had severe swelling all in her face from some severe medical condition. So she comes in, and she'd gotten involved in spiritist occult practices, worshiping, you know, a great spirit in the sky. And they began inviting her to church, and she was like, why, why in the world? Why I, I literally can't hear you if you're screaming in my ear. Like, why would I come to church with you? And, uh, but she came, and as she sat in our services, when I got to, I call it the cross moment. I have a cross moment in every sermon because we preach Christ and him crucified. That's what we do, man. That's our thing. And when I got to the cross moment in the sermon, she later described to me that at that moment, she said, an agony came over me to hear what was being said. And so she prayed, Jesus if you are real, let me hear what this man is saying. And as soon as she did that, she later told me she heard a really loud pop. And all of a sudden, like her hearing was crystal clear. She looked over at her daughter. She's got tears in her eyes. And she taps her daughter's shoulder to tell her. And her daughter's mouth just falls agape because all the swelling in her face was instantly gone. And she sat there and listened to me talk about how Jesus is mighty to save, that he is a living Christ, that he's not dead, that he is saved, that he was crucified for your sins. And in that moment, this woman, in that moment, she heard the gospel and she gave her life to Christ on the spot right there in the service. Now, you got to remember, I don't know anything about this. So after the service, she runs up to me, tears in her eyes. She grabs me. I've never seen this woman before. She says, Pastor Josh, I can hear. And I went, me too. Isn't it great? It's awesome. And she started telling me all this. And then here's what she said. She said, man, for years, I've been worshiping a great spirit in the sky. And what I realized today is that's Jesus. Jesus is the one I should be worshiping. Jesus is the one that I should be submitting to as Lord. And she gave her life to Christ and has walked with him since. Now, guys, listen. That's a sign because it points to Jesus. That's the purpose of all these gifts is for God to stretch out his hand to point and authenticate the reality and saving power of Jesus. So let me close this entire series with a quote. There's a quote I read two years ago that inspired me to want to start preparing for this series. It's from R.T. Kendall. And it's my prayer for not just our church, but every church. He said, there are word churches and there are spirit churches. There has been a great divorce in the church between word and spirit. And like any divorce, some kids go with the mom and some kids go with the dad. But watch how it ends. Revival happens when you bring those two back together. Man. Lake Point Church. Let's bring them together. Would you pray with me? Father, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Would you please anoint with power your word preached, believed, lived, taught, 
loved, sung. We have prepared the altar. Would you please bring the fire? God, would you please stretch out your hand and authenticate the reality of the gospel and the truth of Jesus, his power to save. Jesus, would you be among us a living Christ? We pray that there would be obvious effects of your real powerful presence among us so that people who don't know you would know that you are real and that you do save and that you do love them. And so God, we ask for that to happen in our midst and we pray it in Jesus' crucified and risen name. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital.